Hello, good afternoon, Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast and video series where we talk about digital marketing strategies and tactics to help grow your business. Today, I'm joined on the show by Sarah Rethinger. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on board today. Sarah is from MLB, and we're going to talk about uh, today's topic is the three-point pivot to programmatic campaigns for linear and connected TV. Sarah, welcome. So glad you're here with us today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. So, you know, we were talking a little bit, and, and before I, I think we jump into things, um, I, I think we really need to make sure that we paint a a good foundation. Maybe there are some people who are listening in today who are not really familiar with the difference between uh, connected TV, linear TV, and how that really matters. If I'm a brand and I want to reach my audience and I understand that they have different ways that they consume media, let's let's kind of paint a broad picture of, of what those two things really mean. And then how as a brand or how as a marketer am I able to get my content in front of them and, and potentially change their behavior and, and move them towards a decision that's favorable for my brand? So the floor is yours. Yeah, so I think looking at, I think there's some kind of confusion around, you know, what, how do I reach people? What is OTT? What is CTV? Um, you know, and those things are really not interchangeable. There's a way that we can reach folks on any of those. But just to kind of clarify that, you know, OTT is the process of streaming premier content. So those great TV shows that are being put out. Um, CTV is just the hardware. So that big screen on the wall that you are um consuming content on your smart TV in that sense. So about 50% of inventory um, across all those platforms um, are you know, bought one-to-one -one with a, um, you know, a, a large advertiser like Procter & Gamble going directly to Hulu um, along with the linear TV buys. That space, um, that content um, is sold in a programmatic space. So um, anything that's unsold, they sold in a programmatic space too. Um, and then kind of another um, kind of confusion around this space is addressable television. So addressable means that you can go and buy <clears throat> commercials on the streaming platforms and then you're going to layer other behavioral targeting on top of that to be able to make sure that you're reaching the right people. So you want to reach a male who's 25 and has a dog as a you know pet food company. Um, you want to use some addressable layering on top of that as you go out your connected television device. So let's, let's, and that's a great explanation. So let's, let's paint this picture I'm at home and I'm working from home and, uh, you know, my kids are doing virtual in the other room, um, you know, and so I've got, um, I had to, I had to cut the cord because, you know, things are getting, you know, really crazy. I'm trying to reduce my costs. So I've got, you know, I've got a Hulu subscription. I've got, you know, Disney, I've got Netflix or what have you. Um, and I, and I reduced 
I, I don't have any uh, what I would think of as normal cable TV, right? The only way I get that content is either through, you know, my Hulu subscription really is, 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 is how I would do that. If I'm a brand and, and, and I'm painting the story of a person who's sitting in their, in their house and they're, this is how they consume media. Literally, like, how does the market work? Like, explain that so so we have an understanding of that. So if you're looking at the market and how it works out there in terms of HMS, all of those platforms have their own, um, you know, they're out selling their own inventory out and to direct through advertisers, through agencies and things along those lines. Anything that's unsold is put out into the programmatic space to be um, sold in that sense. Um, you know, and, and consumers, you know, they don't, you know, they don't, they're all they care about is, you know, I want to watch the latest, you know, shows on Disney Plus and my favorite things on, you know, Netflix. So as platforms, you know, they want to keep that process streamlined, you know, um, you know, you don't want to upset one of your viewers because you're getting served an ad that's not relevant to you, or, you know, this happens a lot too. You're getting an ad, you're like, I've seen that same streaming commercial over and over and over again. So I think there's a lot of um, space there to make sure that you're, you're making that great for the consumer too, so they continue to use those platforms. And if you're having a bad experience, you're going to cancel Netflix and just stick with Hulu and things along those lines. So there's a lot of pressure on those platforms to keep it great for the consumer too. Do you feel like, is, is there, is there a, a break between like, you know, a percentage of, of the ad space is sold direct versus a, a percentage that's, um allocated for quote the marketplace uh that's sold out there is there a breakdown i mean you know i think that probably there is like platform and there's some platforms that don't put their um don't put their inventory out into space they only keep it for themselves too um disney plus is one of those examples that as of right now they're the only um, you can only get disney plus if you're buying directly from Disney Plus, whereas Hulu and Netflix and Pluto TV and a lot of those, um, you can get in other um, places first directly with them too. You know, I, here's a question I think a lot of people probably just have no idea is, are, are, is there a minimum spend that you're going to be required to, you know, um, place a campaign um, and do you, does that change? You know, um, you know, obviously we are uh, an advertising agency and, and have been for over three decades in our local market, uh, you know, in a time like right now, we're in the middle of a political uh, election campaign season. And man, boy, those, you know, campaigns have bought up lots of, of the space, right? So talk to me about minimum buys versus seasonal buys in this space. Sure. So yes, you spoke to that right the political politicals really, you know, affecting um, some of the inventory out there and some of the, you know, kind of pricing too. Um, because there's a lot of demand for that too. However, there's enough inventory. So I would say as far as minimums, if you're going direct to like a Hulu or a Netflix and to work on a deal, they're gonna have a lot higher minimums. Um, I can't speak like don't quote me on this, but just from working with some of my clients, I think that may be around like 50K 
um, looking at buys directly with them. Um, that's why some advertisers like to buy that through the programmatic space. So we as a DSP do not have any minute, well, we hit minimums with Hulu because we are, you know, it's, so them it's like one pipe, right? So a movie is buying uh, inventory for us. Now we're running it for different advertisers. So yeah, a lot of times advertisers will choose to run through um, uh, DSP because they don't have to worry about those minimums because as a company, we spend enough with them too. So that's kind of one kind of differentiator too. Um, you know, Hulu um, also, uh, and I keep using this example, but any of those platforms, they'll have inventory that they do not put out onto um, that they can only sell, such as maybe like a sponsorship of a specific series, right? You know, we can't access that programmatically. So that's an advantage sometimes of working directly with one of those platforms is that you get, you know, you get access access to um, great, you know, unique inventory, sponsorship types of things and that too. So that's another way that uh, just kind of differentiator looking at how you're buying those two. Sarah, I, I can imagine, you know, that over the last 12 months, you've probably seen a huge, significant change in this space. You know, last year at this time, you know, we were in 2019. Uh, you know, it was September and we hadn't heard anything about COVID, coronavirus. Like, I, I don't think we actually heard any of the reports came, you know, that came out of China until probably November, October-ish, right around that time. So the world was humming along as normal. People were going to their office. People were in school classrooms. Like, that's it's, it feels like a decade ago, you know, like, so how has this changed and how should we as marketers be aware of that change and how should it impact? Like, this is really the pivot point. Like the first thing is understand what your options are. That's pivot number one. Pivot number two is understand what's changed. So give us, give us, you know, what, what are you observing? What are the changes that that you're recommending, that you're observing? So a number of things that we're seeing. So overall, the amount of inventory has increased, right? So more people are streaming more often, more hours a day, right? So that means there's more commercial inventory out there. Uh, we've also seen that people are um, accessing multiple platforms, right? So you may have only had um, maybe cable TV and Netflix, but now you want to have as much content as possible to get all of the you know, potential streaming shows out there. So you're getting more platforms. Again, that helps to increase the inventory. Well, what we've seen happen with that, it's actually been a great advantage for advertisers. It's a basic supply and demand, right? There is the, the demand has increased on the advertiser level, but the supply has increased so much out there because there's so many more eyeballs, right? Mm. Um, viewing on those screens and more inventory that the cost has dropped. So it's actually allowed people that maybe have never considered um, being in a connected TV space, maybe a small um, regional automotive dealer or things along those lines, they've been able to access that space differently because the cost of CPMs have dropped. And I, the latest numbers have been like 20, 30% from what they were about a year ago. Yeah, so obviously law of economics, higher supply, uh, drives costs down. That makes total sense. And I think that's good too, because, you know, I, I, I just, I know from, from, uh, you know, working with our clients that a year ago, you know, a lot of the programmatic inventory pricing was absolutely insane. I mean, 
just 12, 14, $18 CPMs for highly targeted, you know, behavior groups and, and segments was, I mean, it's insane to pay that, right? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And we would be like, no, we're not going to, we're not, out, we're not going to recommend you do that. We're going to, we're going to do something else. Um, and, and I think that especially right now, um, you know, before we, we jumped on air, you mentioned something, I want you to share it again about how you feel like you've observed that these large, uh, linear buys, uh, up fronts have really scaled back. I think that is a telltale sign that we saw a year and a half ago where when the market started to kind of decline and the economic conditions started to decline, you know, businesses had to be really smart and savvy about their advertising dollars. So you literally need your advertising dollar to spend like a $10 bill, not like a $1 bill. So talk to me about what you've observed with, you know, that when it comes to the, the more traditional linear buys and, and how that's changed. You know, linear television, you know, I don't believe that's going to be going away by any right, right. billion dollar industry, you know, in our space. However, I think people are reevaluating how they're approaching their linear TV buys. Um, just in the news this week, Procter & Gamble, I said they're pulling out of the upfronts. They are going to hold their money back. They're not making upfront deals. They're going to evaluate as things come because they feel like, um, I think they aren't as scared that inventory is going to be eaten up. And so they're kind of taking a reapproach to that as well. Um, and adjusting where they're spending money, you know, as again, people continue to pour cut and more, more um, eyeballs are moving over to streaming platforms, um, they're reevaluating those buys um, and making sure that they're um, spending in the right way as well. Eyeballs are moving. You said it, Sarah. I, I can't help but to think about how my eyeball literally moves from screen to screen when that little circle in the freaking Hulu top left corner, you know, is counting down and, you know, it, especially if it gets into the triple digit number, you know, like 130. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, where is my phone? And I, you know, and I grab my phone and I look up my, you know, scores or, you know, I check my feed for whatever it might be, Twitter and stuff, you know, snap, what have you. Um, so let's talk about screen to screen. I think that's another pivot that businesses and marketers, we need to be aware of what are our options. So um, let's let's talk about screen to screen and how do we address that? Yeah, I mean, as a consumer, it's great, right? You just talked about your own experience. I'm gonna check my sports scores on my phone when my streaming board was playing it, you know? I wake up in the morning, I look at social media, you know, I. Um, watch the local news, you know, as a consumer, it's great. You know, you've got all these different screens and you can get content, you know, at a split second. Um, for an advertiser, that's a real challenge, you know. Um, there's things like walled gardens with Facebook um, or Amazon that, you know, you, you don't know, you know, if you're reaching the same people there that you're reaching in other places. Um, you know, so that's a real challenge. You want to make sure that you're reaching the right person, you know, as they, um, on that consumer journey, you know, as an advertiser, you want to, you know, make sure you're reaching them um, with some, you know, upper funnel messaging and creating brand awareness along that and then moving them down the funnel too. So I think that's something that's a real challenge. Um, 
you know, a Moby as a ad tech company, you know, we're originally a DSP, so we draw the programmatic display and online video. Uh, but we're really looking to solve for that cross-channel solution as people move to screen to screen. So we have um, developed relationships with Nielsen to um, integrate with campaigns with linear television. Um, and then we also have relationships with ACR data providers, so ACR, automatic content recognition on smart TVs. You know, so um, through um, we have relationships with Vizio TV sets and LG TV sets. So we know that we are reaching consumers on those smart TVs. Um, so sequential messaging, right? So if somebody uh, conducts a television ad that um, builds kind of brand awareness. But all of that too, and then our platform will allow the exposure from somebody that's seen a connected television ad to serve them an online video, to serve them a display ad, to kind of bring them down the funnel so that you're reaching that person in a, in a, in a uh, you know, consumer journey, across cross screen way, if you will. Wow. Well, yeah, I think that, that that's really insightful when you think about the the situation of you know moving your eyeballs from one screen to the next and you know leveraging the power of a platform like yours to be able to kind of understand that that's what's happening and then you know how can you take that um creative ad content um and and have it reach the right people Number one, from a dem demographic standpoint, obviously you're, you're targeting, uh, you know, people who are within your brand reach um, for whatever motivations, uh, you know, whether you have a transactional relationship objective or whether it's, you know, um, a, a different value proposition, uh, you know, if you're not a, a, a retail or commerce, you know, whatever those sort of, uh, you know, relationship points are, uh, but brand visibility and reach uh, within using, you know, like you described with your platform and, and being able to kind of dial that in specific to the device, specific to the location, uh, specific to the, the behavior of, I've watched this kind of content, like, okay, I'm gonna go on a tangent here just for one second. The most brilliant r recent um, brand that I think has taken the th this is a this is a, a a concept that I think is absolutely brilliant. When a brand can become the show and not the commercial, they win, right? And I'll tell you, and, and it's so funny because I am not a big reality TV watcher, but. Uh, my girlfriend loves all those reality shows, Big Brother and Love Island. Are you freaking kidding me? Like Caesar's Palace has crushed it. Like you don't realize that Love Island is actually a one hour commercial for Caesar's Palace. Now, they're, they're, they're in a space that is highly regulated. They cannot advertise people gambling. It's illegal. Um, yeah, exactly. So they've created a whole show. And, you know, they show pictures of like, you know, steaks and food and like all the different 
It is incredible. It's incredible. I love that. I think it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, sorry, that's a tangent because I just think that. Um, they bought the system, right? That is that is literally outside the box. Like you were just, they are way out. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, so you know, when you circle back around to this, and and we here we are, you know, we're we're looking at 2021 is is ahead of us. As kind of a closing point, Sarah, what do you think brands should think about? for 2021 we're going to be on the other side of an election um what do you what do you think people should be thinking about when it comes to leveraging programmatic display content what's the smartest play for You know, I love that. And I think I would just kind of piggyback on that to say that in, when you're in that evaluation mode and you're looking at the data, allow that data to better inform your future creative decision. I think it becomes the perfect dance of art and science. Right. And I think that when brands get that right, um, it, it starts to make sense. I think it resonates with people on a personal level when you can when you understand the why they responded to that, not just the not just the the, you know, quantitative data, but what's the qualitative information behind that, you know, uh, emotional prompts or you know, world values or, or life value sentiments. And then how does that inform your creative and then go back and, you know, leverage your buys against those motivations 
um, and make sure that they are segmented and properly placed to uh, create the most optimal outcomes. Um, I think I think you're absolutely right. Is evaluating, uh, you know, readdressing creative, and then uh, uh, shameless plug for you guys. Um, you know, your your brand name. Amobi, right? A M B O E E dot com. Amobi, right? Yeah. So, okay. People probably say your name wrong all the time. Um, <laughs> but visiting your website, you know, one of the things I saw on there is you've got some really great data and reports on there that I think when when a when a company is trying to evaluate what are they doing, those are some great resources. So, shameless plug for you. I love some of the content that you've got on your blog uh, and some of the other white papers that are available. I highly recommend guys, if you haven't checked it out, go to the website again, a M B O E E.com, right? A-M-O-B-E-E. Yes. Two E's.com. Right. <laughs> All right. So check out the website, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your valuable insight into what is happening and helping us understand the three pivot points to programmatic campaigns on linear and connected TV. Thank you again, Sarah. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Bye.